Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 354. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I'm so happy to have you here. And I'm also thrilled to introduce today's special guest, Bruce Langford. Bruce is a podcaster from Mindfulness Mode and also does so much more. But Bruce, welcome. I am so thrilled to have you on the show, finally. Hi, Kim. I am so excited, too. I just really, really love every time we get together, and I always think, Geez, it'd be great if we could talk more, but today we're going to get to talk. So that's awesome. Yeah, no kidding. In the past seven months, listeners, we have spent eight days in the same room and have never talked in length as much as we'll be able to today, which blows my mind. Yeah, I know. We have to tell Steve Ulsher that needs to change. Like maybe there should be a second day of mastermind where all we do is sit around and talk or something. Steve, I hope you're listening. Probably not, but I hope you are. I'll send it to you. Anyway, Bruce, I would love if you would jump in and give listeners a better introduction, your awesome introduction, because you know your story better than anybody else. Well, I am a podcaster on mindfulness mode, and that's one of the things that I really love doing is talking with people, sharing things, interviewing people about mindfulness. But it all started quite a long time ago when I uh, I was a teacher in a school. So I, I used to be a music teacher, and I'm very arts-based, so I loved teaching music. And then skipping ahead, I saw some of my students being picked on, being bullied. And I thought, geez, this is just not right. Now, this was back in 2003. Bullying was not being talked about back then, Kim. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't in the media. It wasn't even being really mentioned. And at my school, I felt like it was being swept under the carpet, probably the same as it was so many other places. And I thought, this is not right. And I thought, well, you know, why not I go ahead and do something? So I put together a program and I started going out into schools. First of all, I just envisioned the program and I made up a flyer based on what I thought the program could be like. A musical program with drama, with role plays, with all kinds of concepts about bullying, how kids can survive, how kids can learn. And So I sent out this flyer to all kinds of schools, and even though I didn't really have the program yet, I only had the idea, the concept, and I received all kinds of feedback. Yes, 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 come to my school, come to my school, we'd love to book you, and all of a sudden I had all these bookings, and I thought, well, I've got two months, July and August, to create this program, and I did. I wrote the songs, I created lines and then I made it into like a drama and I thought well I'll be a radio station I'll be ATFM radio and I'll be the DJ and I'll be a little bit crazy a little bit zany because I think that's what you need for children so that they can learn and remember and so I would jump around and act 
kind of nutty up there. But at the same time, there were a lot of serious moments and I was teaching all kinds of concepts about bullying. What to do if you realize that you are being a bully sometimes? What to do if you're being bullied? What to do if you're a bystander? So I did that for about 12 years, Kim, and I'm still doing it once in a while. But I did it full time, four days a week, going into schools all over and just loved doing it. But the more I did it, the more I realized that if you can teach kids and teachers, kids and adults, what it means to be mindful, what mindfulness is all about, then bullying just naturally diminishes because First of all, if we're truly mindful, we're not going to be bullying other people really much at all. And secondly, if we're truly mindful and somebody bullies us, we are going to respond to it very differently than if we don't understand mindfulness. Would you agree with that, Kim? Oh, absolutely. I'm thinking about my own high school, middle school experience. Yeah, absolutely. What was that like, Kim? Oh, so I was the girl who was plagued by acne. And just was really shy. I moved schools in the middle of middle school when a lot of kids who had been together in five separate elementary schools were coming together. And a lot of them already knew each other. And I was suddenly moving from a school of 100 to a school of 800 where I knew nobody. Wow. And while I had been a bigger fish in a small pond in the former school, I was not even a minnow. So immediately the self-esteem dropped, but I was getting picked on. My maiden name is Buckley. Okay. And just take the first four letters of Buckley and people can find something to rhyme with that. Mm-hmm. And they did. And I didn't know how and even if I could stand up for myself. Mm-hmm. And this is the early 90s and it was Definitely being swept underneath the rug then. Mm -hmm. I was scared to walk down the hall. How did you survive? Thankfully, at that time, I lived only two blocks from school. Mm -hmm. And I would hide in the restroom until all the buses were gone. I would go to my locker when nobody was in the halls. Like I would carry this ridiculously heavy bag full of books because I didn't want to be at my locker when these two, oh, I'm just going to say it, football jocks were at their locker right next to mine because every time I went when they were there, things happened. So I would carry a ridiculously heavy book bag, which didn't set me up for any better treatment. You know, when I look like a hunchback carrying around 18 textbooks. Yeah. But I went into hiding, I would have to say. I can't say I dealt with it. I didn't deal with it. But thankfully, as the years went on, I made friends and I gained more confidence. I still can't say that I would walk down the hall looking at anybody. Mm-hmm. It took until high school for a friend to actually say to me, or it took until college, I should say, a year in after we had already been friends for a year, she told me, she said, and I'm going to just say it flat out, I don't really cuss on the podcast very often. But she said, you know, I thought you were a bitch the first year because you didn't talk to anybody. I said, well, I wasn't, I don't think I'm better than anybody else, definitely, but I was scared. I was scared about what I would say. I was scared about what you would think I would, was saying. So I just decided not to talk. 
And that really, for years, that was my thing. Just keep your mouth shut, Kim, because nobody can say anything about what you're saying if you're not saying anything. And look at me now. <laughs> yeah. And now you seem to have no fear. But I mean, we all have fear. We all have fear. Oh, definitely. That. But you seem, I was just saying it to you at New Media Summit a few days ago, you seem so relaxed. And any anxiety that I saw there seems to have just vanished. Is that how you feel? Like, do you feel a lot more relaxed than ever before? Oh, definitely more relaxed. And I was actually talking to Tom Singer about it, too, of our other fellow icons. And he noticed it when I went in September of 2017. Yes. I believe I reverted back to my high school, middle school girl. Oh, be careful what you say, Kim. You know, you got to make a great impression. But out of that, I was not talking as much as I wanted to. I was mm -hmm. sitting at my table. I wasn't getting up and talking to people. And this year I decided, no, you are you. You have a voice. It's shared on the podcast. So get out there and talk to people. Yeah, absolutely. And it was so much more fun. I'm not saying that September wasn't fun, but I definitely enjoyed this year more. I still haven't recovered from it. It was great, wasn't it? two weeks later, yeah. Meeting so many people, seeing so many old friends from before, and just sitting around. It felt like we were all on the same wavelength. That's what it felt like to me. What about you? Oh, definitely agree. Listeners, if you haven't heard me talk about New Media Summit with any guests before, you definitely have to check it out because this is an event like no other. I guarantee that you will walk away with new friends. Yes. Yeah. Definitely that. Everybody just seems to want to share and and be completely willing to sit down and chat with you. And Wow, I just totally loved it again. You know, loved it in September of 2017, but I sure loved it this time too. So it was great. It was great to see you and so many other people too, Kim. Yeah, same here. Bruce, I want to jump back to bowling just for a second and share mm -hmm. with you. My 15-year-old is, he's got inches on me. He's 6'3", six, 6'4", six, mm -hmm. and he's a bigger kid. And he's a freshman in high school now. At the end of his sixth grade year, he had perfect attendance, but he was getting bullied. And with three days left in the year, he decided he had had enough. Mm -hmm. They came up and they were pushing him, which is hard to believe that kids who have like are a foot shorter would yeah. come up and start pushing him. But he decided enough. And he pushed back. Mm -hmm. And wouldn't you know that the teachers walked out in the hall and saw him pushing back and he was expelled. Perfect attendance, high honor roll, but they saw him and they had known that the bullying was going on. So I would love to jump back into the bullying conversation just for a second, because I know that there's a probability of some parents listening here with their kids in the car. How would you recommend, what would be the first actions that you would recommend for the high school audience? This is unfortunately what has happened in a lot of schools is that whether they call it zero tolerance or not, that sounds like a situation of zero tolerance where, you know, they knew it was going on. They knew he was being bullied. And yet the first time he really showed the confidence and stood up for himself, then he's in trouble. And that's so unfortunate. Now, the, the good thing is 
hopefully he's getting a higher level of confidence. I don't know how things have gone since then, but you know, it's all about confidence and how you carry yourself and how you show up. And it's tough. It's tough for kids in high school these days. That's for sure. Because there's so many dynamics going on and that whole piece of feeling, you know, the fear and feeling the lack of confidence, then, you know, other kids pick up on that immediately. And there are kids, yeah, it doesn't matter if they're a foot shorter, that they'll think, oh, I'm going to jump on this. I'm going to take advantage of this. And then that will boost my ego because it's all about ego, Kim, you know? Oh, it definitely is. And actually, in 2010, I left his dad. Okay. I took them. And I was being bullied in our marriage. Oh. And that all shifted for me because I had put up with it for 12 years. Mm. We were high school sweethearts. We started dating in 97. Yeah, I had put up with it until 2009 when Mm -hmm. I had a very random, I went to a referral networking group. Mm-hmm. here in my town and I met a chiropractor and I didn't okay. realize all the benefits of chiropractic. I had constant sore neck. I know this is giving more of the backstory than I needed to, but during the first conversation, we hit it off. We're now great friends. He was at my wedding with my husband, but he told me about the law of attraction Okay, and I had never been introduced before and I got home and I looked at it and I was immediately just enthralled. Is enthralled the right word? Yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, I can control how I feel. I can control if I'm stressed. I can control if how he's talking to me is going to affect my mood. Mm-hmm. And that day he got home and I had attempted to cook dinner. That's mm-hmm. how it always goes, listeners. I attempt to cook. Whether or not <laughs> it gets burned is up to the given day. <laughs> but I had done something wrong, so he immediately started in and I... Unlike ever before, I looked at him and I smiled. And Mm. I will never forget the look on his face. He was just so confused. And he said, why are you smiling at me? And I said, because you no longer have the right to control how I feel about myself. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's so much of mindfulness, you know, what you're just describing. Yeah, it completely shifted everything. I realized, oh my gosh, I don't need to stay in this. No. And it ticked him off because he felt mm-hmm. like, I. well, I can't say how he felt, but it felt to me like he felt like, okay, I have to find other buttons to push now. So I got to get at her another way. And he definitely did. <laughs> yeah. And, but I realized I don't have to stay. It is my right to be happy now. Absolutely. So thank you for what you're doing for the world at large, because everybody needs mindfulness. And I feel like so many of us grow up without even knowing what it is. And I was already, I was 30 by the point that Mm. I was introduced to the law of attraction. And that, that's so unfortunate. I could have used it as a six, seven, eight year old. Yes. I would have been a pain for my mom. But. Well, children really need to understand this. And I totally agree. 
Everybody in this world deserves to understand and to know about mindfulness. And that's why I started my podcast, because I wanted to reach out to people in the mainstream world, because there are lots of people who we might not consider are in the mainstream world. You know, a lot of people that maybe study Eastern religions or people who have been introduced to mindfulness somewhere along the line, but we don't see them somehow in the same way that we see each other because in the mainstream world, mindfulness has been kind of pushed down, kind of hidden, not so much now. And we can all benefit from it, just like you're describing. Well, I still think it is pushed down because I've been amazed just talking to some of the other, some of the participants from the new media summit to hear about the people that they are working with fortune 100 CEOs who mm-hmm. are consulting with them on mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you do the same. I would love to dig into that more, but it had never occurred to me that it's not all about timing and going to the right school. That's what I always thought it was. Being raised in the right family, going to the right school, meeting the right people. Right. But in all actuality, that could have very little and probably does No, I'm going to take that back. It really does have very little to do with where we go and the accomplishments that we achieve. Because if our mindfulness is not developed and we don't think we can, then we just won't. Yes, you're right. And there's so many ways to develop mindfulness. There really are. Like I remember a long time ago when I started meditating and, you know, at first I'm kind of like, is this really making any difference? And I know that a lot of people told me it made a difference for them. And then it was only a couple of months before I could see that it definitely was making a difference. But I think that a lot of people doubt themselves. They maybe dabble in it. They meditate a little bit and they think, oh, yeah, well, I don't know. I don't have time for that. Or they kind of leave it behind, but it really, truly makes a difference. And it actually changes the way your brain is wired. They've proven that. That's the cool thing about mindfulness is that now scientists have proven that these techniques actually change the way your brain is wired. So that's pretty powerful, isn't it, Kim? That is so extremely powerful. Yeah. I mean, from my entrepreneurial journey, and I, I hate to keep on bringing it back to me, but listeners, I just want you to get a perspective. I was an architect for eight years, mm-hmm. and there was a salary cap because I was working a job for other people, and there was only a certain level that I could get to. Mm-hmm. And then going into the entrepreneurial space, I don't know if you know, Bruce, but when I started my business in 2012, I was a virtual assistant. I knew nothing about what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I knew how to use the Microsoft Office suite. To be totally honest, that's about all I knew. Mm-hmm. But I thought I had to compete with people overseas who were charging $3 an hour. So I went in at 8 because I saw two options. I could go work at the local gas station as a second job, or I could start a VA business charging the same as I would get at the gas station. Mm-hmm. But I looked at other people who had been VAs for years and wondered, how the heck can they justify charging that much? What are they doing? And it took me three and a half years, almost three and a half years to realize I can do that. Heck, I can charge more because I know what I'm doing. But had that mindfulness not been there, then the confidence wouldn't have grown. And there is no cap now. 
There was never a cap except for me. Yeah, the cap is in our own minds, isn't it, Ken? Yeah. What does your cap look like when it's not under control? If you could give it a material. I keep noticing. I think that's the thing about mindfulness is that all of a sudden you're noticing what your thoughts are. You're noticing your emotions so much more than ever before. And so I'll be doing something and then I'll notice, hey, just a second. Why are you thinking that, Bruce? Why are you thinking that you can't, you know, go over to some country like Italy or Germany and consult over there and talk about mindfulness and teach them from my perspective so that they can increase the bottom line of their company. Of course I can do that. But then I catch myself telling myself, Bruce, forget it. You know, you can't do that. And then I stop myself. So those kinds of things are caps for me. And so it's so much better now to be able to identify that I am creating a story that is a false story. It's just a story that I've created in my own mind. And then I say to myself, no, get rid of that story. Don't be creating a story. And I think as humans, we just do that a lot. You know, we create stories that are really caps. You know what I mean? Oh, I definitely know what you mean. Mine is chronic worrying. Mm. I worry and I create, well, maybe that's how I create my stories. You know, Mm -hmm. I have to worry about this because this is going to happen, but I don't know that it's going to happen. And listeners in our pre-chat, I was explaining to Bruce about a little bit of a housing situation that my family was encountering. The market is really hot in my area of Ohio. And for the past week, there was a concern that I was going to have to move my whole family, which Again, if you're listening, if this is your first episode, I have five children and a husband and an abundance of animals. So there was a worry of, we're going to be homeless. We're going to have to live in a hotel. We're going to have to get rid of all of our animals. We're never going to buy a house. We're just going to be screwed. Mm. And then I didn't sleep too well for the past week until last night, but I was telling Bruce in the pre-chat that in listeners, I'll put a link to this in the show notes. I had a conversation with Christina Miller, episode 350, and she told me, be still and listen. And this was just yesterday. And I did that. And I can't tell you how hard it was because I am not still. I have never given meditation a good try because thought of being still and just listening mm-hmm. I always have, well, I have chronic idea disorder. I always have 18,000 other things that I'm working on and want to develop for myself. But I was still yesterday and all of a sudden the solution presented itself and we don't have to move. But it was about getting the mindfulness under control and my ceiling is worry. I need to break through that ceiling. I think you can do it with meditation, Kim. I really do because it made a big difference to me. I I was always an idea person, thinking, 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 and jumping into this and jumping into that. And I had a lot of ideas and I, and I actually carried a lot of them out. But at the same time, sometimes I created these stories that held me back. Mm-hmm. And then I've just noticed in the more recent years that, you know, when I would sit down and I would meditate, then all of a sudden things seemed to get just kind of fall into place and things become more clear and there's less anxiety and I just feel so much better. 
about things. So I totally recommend meditation. I think it just it just makes such a difference, and especially as entrepreneurs, you know, because we've got so much on the go. We've got so much on our minds. And I mean, you with your productivity, I don't know how you do it. You've got your five children, you've got all your pets, you're doing all the work for, you know, Steve and you're keeping things going with that. And you've got your own business and your podcast. How do you do all this, Kim? That was another thing that came out of New Media Summit, September 2017. Uh Uh-huh. Because I realized that I was selling fluff words, but I realized that everything that I need to keep myself going is what other people need as well. I've got self-care, even though sometimes I lack on it. We all need sleep. And when yes. I get sleep, that's when the worry subsides. That's when I think clearer. That's when my productivity boosts. Then, So it's self-care, systems, and support. I've got the systems working for me behind the scenes. Uh-huh. And I've got support. I've got my husband. I've got team members. I have an awesome community of people like you that when I finally got the confidence to step out and be more authentic and transparent and talk about struggles, the community just blossomed. I mean, I'm looking outside at spring right now. It was like that. You know, one day there was not even a bud on the tree and the next day, oh my gosh, where did this whole community of people come from? But it was just that. It was nurturing through authenticity. I'd love to know more about the systems that are working for you that make your life so much better. Well, first off, this isn't so much as maybe a system and self-care combined. I have to remind myself that I cannot do everything. Right. If I don't tackle my whole to-do list today, it's not going to kill me. But everything that can possibly be automated behind the scenes is from setting up proposals that I only need to copy and push a button and get sent to a prospective client. And when they approve, the invoice gets sent. And when that gets paid, then we get started and all the documents are sent. That's one automated marketing, even through the podcast flow, you and every single guest I asked to fill out a form. And it's not because I don't know about you. And it's not because I don't want to get on a pre-chat, but it just, it launches a whole sequence system of events inside my Infusionsoft from telling you where to go and schedule. So I don't have to be in there. Neither does a team member to reminding you about the calls to notifying my team that the episode has been recorded to everything but actually getting the episode on my site, which I'm sure I could find a way to systemize as well. But I really enjoy going back and listening to the episodes because it's not just, and I'm sure you have this as a podcaster as well. It's not just the initial conversation. There's so many times that I get 200% more out of going back and hearing you and hearing myself. And I'm like, oh, in the moment, I forgot that I said that. But that was deep. That was good, Kim. You know, that was good, Bruce. I needed that today. I do too. I'm exactly the same way. I love going back and just doing a little editing, just listening again. And I hear it with a new perspective as well. Because, of course, you know this. When you're on a podcast and you're chatting with somebody, you're thinking about what they're saying. You're listening. You're in the moment. And you're thinking about it, maybe a possible question to follow or a comment. And then when you re-listen to it later, it takes on a new perspective. I love that. Oh, yeah. And then 
the part that gets me in trouble is I start thinking about ways that we can work together if I hadn't thought about it in the initial conversation and then chronic idea disorder gets spurred and I have like 18 more ideas. That is the system that is struggling right now is my idea containment. What to work on now and what to save for later. This week, it hasn't been much of an issue. I'm working on a huge launch and I know this is what I have to work on and the rest will be saved. But with that said, I've been working on this launch and have been neglecting my inbox, but I have been even cleaning out my inbox, unsubscribing left and right and really monitoring who can get my attention mm-hmm. so that when I go back to my inbox, I mean, I haven't really touched my inbox in four, five days now, and I only have a hundred items in it. That's impressive. Yeah. I know that what I want in there is what I want to see, or it's going to be people who added me to their list without asking, but those will be quickly taken out with a couple clicks. And that's another thing. I could be having my team take care of my inbox, but that's something I love seeing what comes in. Sure. So what do you love doing the most? Is it funnels? Is it creating funnels for people? I am passionate about helping people, empowering people to set up the self-care systems and support in their business so that they can get themselves out. Because when I didn't have it in my business, I was anxious and depressed. And this was just in 2016. I found myself ready to just end it all mm-hmm. because I was chasing income. I was worried. See, no mindfulness. My mindfulness had already been developed, but I was worrying about where the next dollar was going to come from. Sure. But after, and I was only sleeping two to three hours a night, Bruce, for a year and a half. I can't believe that. How did you survive on two to three hours a night of sleep? Barely. Yeah. No joke. I was ready to kill myself because I was so sleep deprived. So do you do coaching when you say like helping people with all these kinds of things? Is that how you do it? You hire yourself out as a coach? I do hire myself out as a coach and then also as a consultant for the business automation side. Because if we're going to grow our business, we need to have the automation. And we also need to have the SOPs, the standard operating procedures, so that we know that if we lose a team member or if we bring on a new team member, that all those procedures are already documented. Because we could easily spend a month training a new person on everything yeah. that we do if we don't have those. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's impressive. Can we go back to you? I forgot whose show we were on for a second. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so there had to be mindfulness on your part in getting ready to take the plunge from being a teacher to taking your show on the road and doing that yeah. full time. So what did that look like and how long did that journey take to transition from a teacher to your presentations on bullying or was it just those two months? No, what happened was I went half time. So then I went out and did my shows, but then I was back at my own school every other day to do what I was used to doing. So I kind of eased into it a little bit. That was exciting. And then after two years, The school board said, well, you know, you need to make a decision. You either go back full time into your classroom, into school. I was, like I said, a music teacher. Or you have to just move on. You know, you have to take a retirement, an early retirement. So 
that was tough. You know, there was a lot of fear there, even though it was, I was doing great. It was very successful. I was happy doing what I was doing, but, you know, stepping away from a job that everybody thinks that's such a big win. You've got this teaching job, you've got a pension. This is amazing. That was tough. There was a lot of fear connected with that, but I decided to do that because I thought, you know what? I just won't look back. I won't look back. I'll just be doing my thing. I'll be an entrepreneur. And I was right. And I've always loved being an entrepreneur, making my own way, finding the answers. And I still do. It's not always easy, Kim. You know that. Sometimes it's like, oh, man, there's so much fear or frustration. But at least you have choices that you can make and you can decide what direction you want to move in and you just dig in and you make it happen. And I'm sure you're the same way. Oh, I'm definitely the same way. Yeah. Choices and ideas. Yeah. Someday I'll get those under control. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So then I just kept doing more and more presentations and programs. And then I started getting requests to go to various places like the U.S. Virgin Islands. I went there and taught their students on the topic of bullying and respect and mindfulness and just went all over the place. And I had assistants helping me out and making it happen. So it was very, very exciting. And it still is. And there are shifts that happen. As you know, I do more writing now, more content. And of course, I have my podcast now that I enjoy talking with people from all over the world about what mindfulness means to them and how they use mindfulness in their lives. And my listeners totally resonate with it. And I know that because they reach out to me, they send me messages, as I'm sure your listeners do. And and that's very rewarding to hear from your listeners and know that what you're doing really benefits them. So I'm enjoying being a podcaster as well as all these other things I'm doing. Absolutely. And it never wears off. Right. After I got the first email that the second one wouldn't mean as much, but no, absolutely not. And then I was walking, you, I think, heard this story. I was walking down the toilet paper aisle at the grocery and my phone started blowing up with somebody who had been listening all day and was Facebook messaging me. And I was just so, <laughs> I was so blown away by it. It never yeah. gets old. Listeners, don't forget to send feedback. That's right. To Bruce and I on this episode, to the musicians that you listen to, to, I mean, you might find this funny, but you're watching a movie or a TV show. Tell them how you feel about it. Hopefully good. Mm -hmm. But we love it just as much as you love compliments. And you could be making somebody's day. I mean, chances are you would be making somebody's day. doesn't yeah. matter how big they are because we could all be thinking, oh, they get so much mail. They don't need anything from me. But the truth is, they very well may not. It's true. It's true. It's great getting feedback. And you've got a lot of episodes on your show, don't you, Kim? Yes. Bruce, you are episode 354. So, listeners, you can go and leave feedback and any comment I'll forward on to Bruce at thekimsutton.com forward slash pp354. Bruce, I struggled for the longest time. I would start projects. I mean, it just goes along with the chronic idea disorder. The most notable I can think of is my knitting projects. I have rubber made bins full of started knitting projects and then not 
finish them. Mm-hmm. And both of my husband's, my ex and my current would be like, do you really need more yarn? Are you going to finish the ones that you already started? So the fact that I've actually gotten to 354 episodes every day is a boost of confidence of, I stuck with it. This is amazing. And when you find that thing that you're supposed to be doing, then you can stick with it. It's so much easier. Do you agree? Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. I was listening to you and Rob, Rob Dion. Yeah. You're, you're talking with him on episode uh, 302, I think it was. And he was at the New Media Summit. And I found that very interesting. And, you know, he was talking about investing in real estate and how he did it and everything else. And that's one of the things I did because I was traveling all the time to my different presentations. And I started listening to podcasts and I started hearing this term. No, passive income, passive income. And back then I'm like, passive income? What's that all about? You know? And I thought, well, that sounds something like something cool. I should be figuring that out. So then I started reading books about investing in real estate, investing in apartment buildings, no money down, no money down. And I thought, okay, like, how can this even be real? But I thought, well, why not? You know, I can always learn. I can read these books. And and I did. I read a number of books about how to invest in real estate. And then that's when the fear came because I thought, as you know, in all these books, it's like, okay, you can read the book, but it's taking action that will really make a difference in your life. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. You got to take action. And so, again, I had quite a bit of fear, but I got out there I got with a real estate agent. We started looking at properties. And then eventually I found this property. I had an amazing real estate agent who said, Bruce, just relax. I'll call you. But when I call you and I've got an appropriate property, you've got to be ready to act. You know, and he did call me. I think it was only about two or three weeks later. And he said, meet me at that property because it's going to go fast. It'll be like an auction kind of deal, not exactly an auction, but a bunch of people putting in offers and they'll just take the best offer. And that's basically what it'll be like. So I went there. And so when I got there, Kim, I was kind of thrown off because of all the high end cars, you know, all the Mercedes and the Jaguars and all the different vehicles parked there. And I knew all these people were looking at this property and they obviously In my mind, that was a story I was creating. I thought they obviously have a lot more money than I do, you know. And so, but I just thought back to all the concepts in the the books I had read. Okay, what do you do? What do you look for? How do you go about making an offer that makes sense? And so, to make a long story short, before long, I received a call from my real estate agent. He says, Bruce, you got it. It's yours. Wow. I'm like, what? (laughs) Are you kidding me? I hardly knew how to believe it, you know. And so I was the owner of an apartment building. But in the book, it said, don't stop there. Because once you buy your first one, you will have equity in that first property. And you can use the equity to buy another property. So a year later, I did exactly that. I bought a second apartment building. And I think I was even just about as scared with that one. I was like, Oh, man, you know, like, am I crazy? Am I nuts? But I loved it. I enjoyed being a landlord. I enjoyed, you know, fixing up some of the apartments. And I always enjoy people. 
So I enjoyed interviewing people that could be potential tenants. And then it turned out I was pretty good at it, you know, because you have to kind of be able to imagine what that person would be truly like as a tenant. Are they going to be the right tenant? Are they going to stay there for any length of time? Are they going to look after the property? You have to have a feel for that kind of thing. And I ended up having a pretty good feel because I got some wonderful tenants and I still enjoy doing it. So you are still doing it? I still kind of am. Like I still, I have my studio office now in one of my properties because it was a storage area and I thought, man, this is too good a space to use just for storage. So I hired a contractor. Before I went to PodFest or Podcast Movement in Texas, I think it was in 2015, I went to Podcast Movement and just before I went, I hired a contractor. I said, see this space? This is what I want. A couple of offices, a little kitchen, you know, just make this all up. And when I got back from podcast movement, wow, I couldn't believe how much my contractor had done. And so it's a wonderful space looking over a ravine. It's very, very quiet because it's at the back of the property. And I just love having this for my studio. So it's all worked out. So how many apartment buildings do you own now, Bruce? Well, what happened was that second one that I, uh, that I bought uh, a couple of years later, maybe it was, oh, it was probably about four or five years later, I ended up selling it. And that was all good because then I realized, you know, there's a lot of work to do with, you know, renting out the apartments and, and so on. I thought I'd like to liquidate this one and just focus on the other one. And so I didn't continue and buy more and more and more, but I do have the one. And I sold the other one and I just enjoy having the one, you know, not be too overwhelmed with all kinds of units or anything. And then I can still do my business and my podcast and my consulting and all the other work I do. And I, you know, enjoy that too. Awesome. Yeah, I've thought about that myself, about investing in my town mm -hmm. after we get our, our own housing finalized. Mm-hmm. But I was I was thinking about the time commitment because I know there is so much time. It's true. That's real. Yeah. Although I could make my husband do it, I suppose. Well, you could work together, whatever. Yeah, that's true. And how old's your youngest child? I have three-year-old twins. Okay. I knew you had twins. And they're three. Wow. That must be a handful. Oh, they are. Yeah. But fun, right? Yes. Actually, this morning's fun was finding where dad's keys went. He's a retail manager okay. uh, full time. And the store key was on a, is on his keychain. But the keys had disappeared. And my husband isn't as mindful as I am. So he was getting a little upset. He had to get to work and take the kids to daycare. And his keys were nowhere to be found. And they had wound up. The tricycle is inside our house right now because it was too wet outside. And it has a little back compartment, like a trunk. Mm -hmm. And after searching for 15 minutes, I thought, huh, let me just look. And sure enough, the keys are in there. Oh, wow. 15 minutes. That's not bad, Kim. That no, was pretty it's not. Quick. It's not. Um, but you must be into productivity or something. Yeah. Well, I just had to think because things wind up in their, their little toy kitchen once in a while 
where there's compartments we need to remember to look first in the future. Mm-hmm. But my husband is Dave, D2. My youngest son, one of the twins, their boy girl, is D3, David the third, And he looks at us on his way out the door and he says, I'm sorry I put your keys in my bike. Mm. And it was just the sweetest thing. Just, it totally melted me. But I hadn't, it's like when they say don't cry over spilled milk. I don't cry over spilled milk. I do my best not to get upset when I wake up late because I needed the sleep if I slept that long. And it's not going to help his day or anybody's day if we get upset about the keys going into hiding for a little bit. Well, that's a cute story. Yeah. It must be so much fun around your house, though, with your children, everything going on and all the play that happens. And I know for me, I've learned quite a bit of mindfulness from children. Do you find the same thing, Kim? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Just the things that they can find to laugh about are amazing. Yeah. You know, just saying a random word. And I found myself doing that, too. And they're not always inappropriate words. I mean, if you say a word like fart, my mm-hmm. my three-year-old twins and four-year-old will just be in giggles for hours, it feels like. But it's the little things that they find to laugh about. And I've found that to remain in good spirits myself, we need to be grateful. And we need to appreciate the little things just as much as the big You know what I noticed when my son was that age? Our son is now 16, but I noticed a lot of people would say, well, enjoy it now because it'll change. It'll all change when he becomes a teenager. And of course, they're right. There are constant changes. You know, there's no two days alike. Your child and your children are changing all the time. But I enjoyed every step of the way, every stage. I just loved watching him as he grew up and as he changed and as he learned. And I still do. As he's 16, I find I learn, I still learn a lot of mindfulness from him. And he seems very wise and very level-headed and centered. And I've been teaching him to drive lately. And that's been interesting. <laughs> and he's pretty good at it. You know, he's very careful. You know, sometimes I'm kind of like, okay, maybe you should just kind of let loose a little bit. Like he's very specific. So he, if it says to go 60 kilometers per hour, he wants to go 60 kilometers per hour and that's it. And he wants to lock it into that speed limit and not change it because that's the speed limit. So he's very literal about things. And and that's probably a good thing. Although I try to say, well, you know, sometimes the flow of traffic is more important. And sometimes you just kind of need to make sure that you're going with the flow of traffic, even if it's a little bit faster than the speed limit. Oh, my heavens, yes. I lived outside of New York (laughs) City for a little bit. And I believe it was the I-95. Yes. And the speed limit, I believe, was 60, 65, if even that. Yes. But if you weren't going 90, you were going to get rear-ended by everybody behind you. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember having that conversation with my ex-husband. He's like, you are going 90. I was like, okay, I can slow down, but look behind you. (laughs) 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 Sometimes you just need to keep up with the flow. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's true in life. That's true in business, isn't it? You sort of have to be watching all the time. Keep with the flow. Stay with the flow. And uh, do your own thing, yes. Yes. 
But you also have to stay with the flow in a way because everything keeps changing all the time, doesn't it? Especially in this high tech world. Absolutely. I want to go back to gratitude just for a quick second because I mm-hmm. realized that while I was being very, while I was expressing gratitude towards material possessions, I realized just in the past couple of days that I have not been expressing gratitude to people as much as I should. And I know even already in this conversation, I said, reach out to the people you are following and give them your feedback. But thank you, Bruce, for being on here today. And what I also remembered just last night, I expressed gratitude to my 15-year-old son, who I have, actually, I can start teaching him how to drive now because he's 15 and a half. That's not happening. (laughs) (laughs) But I expressed gratitude for him doing his chores and he he took it upon himself to make dinner last night. That's why it didn't burn. And he was actually surprised. And he just stopped for a second. He's like, wait, what did you say? And that gave me a little bit of a shock of, I don't say thank you to people enough. I know what you mean. And I think that's true for all of us. I know I was being interviewed on a podcast one time and the interviewer said to me, Bruce, sometimes we just need to stop and sit down with our loved ones, whether that's your spouse, whether it's your children, just stop, sit down and look at them right in the the eyes and say, what can I do that will make you feel better about who I am? Is there anything I can change and have a true heart-to-heart conversation with that person. And I did with my son following that podcast. I sat down with him and I asked him those critical questions. I said, what can I change that will make you enjoy being with me more? And he said, Dad, be more serious. Really? Yeah. And I like being silly. Okay, I'll admit it. I like being silly. I like being like a little zany, like I described with my presentation I created on bullying. I just think, you know, sometimes we're too serious in life. And I just like being really silly sometimes. But when my son talked to me, he says, you know, like, I'd just like you to be more serious. So then I've always been aware of that. It's just his personality. He doesn't see the world that way. He would rather me be serious than me be really silly and crazy. So I do respect that. I try to be a little more serious with him. I'm really curious what my kids would say. I'm going to ask them. It's interesting. Yeah. Well, my four-year-old daughter, because the next one's four, and then they jump up to 12. My four-year-old told my husband and I the other night that we are old, Mm. that we are 18, Mm -hmm. but mama is still older than Dada at 19. Ah. And I just had to say thank you, (laughs) even though I'm old and 19. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. I mean, kids are just such a breath of fresh air a lot of the time. Yeah, but I suppose in thinking back, I was thinking, you know, when I'm 21, I'll be old. And I'm definitely not 21, but it just, it felt good and funny all at the same time. Thank you, Bruce. I'm going to go ask, I am going to ask my older ones. 
My little ones are in a silly state right now. You'd sure. probably appreciate it a lot. And you ask them a, a somewhat serious question and they make up words. Right now, yes. their word is duty da. Okay. It's just their answer to everything. It doesn't mean anything, but it sends them into a fit of giggles for the night. So <laughs> I'll ask my older ones because I know I won't get a response like duty da. <laughs> yeah. Bruce, what would an ideal next thirty day or next ninety days look like for you? Well, I think it would be being very focused on one thing, and I've been more focused lately on creating content, writing. I just got accepted to write for Addicted to Success, and I've wow. created some pitches for some other sites as well. I already write for the Good Men Project. And I think it would be just being more focused with what I'm doing with my writing and creating content because I think, first of all, I learn a lot about myself mm-hmm. when I give myself permission to sit down and just write. And there's something very therapeutic about that. And secondly, I think it would help me become more grounded in everything that I'm doing. So I think that's what it would be is just being more centered on doing the one thing rather than trying to do so many different things all the time. Right. I do have two follow-up questions on that. Mm -hmm. How do you write? Do you write in a notebook first or do you take it electronic? I like to type. I love typing. I always did. I love to sit down to the computer and just, sometimes I just shut my eyes and I just, see okay what are my fingers gonna do and maybe it's partly because i'm a piano player and i sometimes love to just sit down at the piano close my eyes and i think oh i wonder what's gonna come out and i just start running my hands over the keyboard and then see what music comes out and to get through university i played the piano in piano bars Mm -hmm. and so sometimes of course i had exams the next day and sometimes i was just playing for you know, background dinner music and things like that. And I shouldn't say just, I mean, that's a good thing. And so I would be sitting there and I could always, if somebody came over to the piano, I was always able to chat with them while I was playing. That was not a problem for me. It's just something to do with the way my brain's wired, I guess. But what I could also do is sit there and put a textbook at the piano and I could study while I was playing the piano. Wow. So, but then I would, sometimes I'd, come back to my senses i'm like oh what am i actually playing you know what is that music that is coming out of the piano and so i think the same thing is true for writing for me i just love sitting down just seeing what my fingers will create on that keyboard there are a lot of people that say to me oh bruce you know you should do it longhand you should get a piece of paper and you should just write and sometimes i do write that way i love cursive writing but It's a lot slower, which can be okay because then it gives you time to think between the words. Mm -hmm. But my favorite is just sitting down and letting my fingers just find the words on the keyboard. Do you have a focus tool? Well, my focus tool is meditation. So I meditate every morning. But then if I'm like if it's the middle of the day and I think, oh, man, I'm feeling frustrated or I feel stress, anxiety, I'll just sit down and I'll just stop everything and I'll meditate and I'll focus on my breath. And once I 
do that and then get back to what I want to do, then I feel much more centered. So that's my focus tool. Oh, I like that a lot. Bruce, this has been an amazing conversation. Where can listeners learn more about you and get in touch? Well, you can go to my website, which is mindfulnessmode.com. And you can certainly send me an email, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. And I also have a website where I do, you know, I talk a little bit more about myself and my corporate consulting and so on. And that's brucelangford.ca. And being in Canada, that's where the .ca comes from. brucelangford.ca. And I have a little bit more on there. But I'd love to hear from you. So send me an email, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. And check out my podcast if you have a few minutes. I think you might enjoy hearing various people, including myself, talk about mindfulness and what it means to us. Absolutely. Listeners, if you're driving right now, all of the links will be in the show notes, which you'll be able to find at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP354. Bruce, thank you again. This has been absolutely amazing. I've got a lot to think about. You've given me a lot to think about. There we go. Thanks, my Kim. mouth and my brain can work together. <laughs> I just love talking with you and I just and it's like I put on Facebook that one day that your friendship is just like gold to me. You know, Aww. like some friendships are, you know, like it's a good friend, but maybe not the same as other friendships. And with you, you know, I can look at you, I can look into your eyes and feel that there is so much there. There's so much depth. And you're just one of those people. I value your friendship and I thank you so much for letting me be a guest on your show. It's been a pleasure. You just left me speechless. But all the same, right back to you. That doesn't happen very often. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my pleasure. Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can offer to listeners? My parting piece of advice is about listening. No matter who you're with, no matter who you're talking to or spending time with, just stop and think, could I listen more deeply to this person? Could I give them more of myself by being a better listener? And the answer is usually yes, and they will appreciate it. So be a better listener. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level.